we've continued to see this steady flow of companies who are locating here or expanding here because of the rich uh, ecosystem for life science companies, for biotech companies, be that the workforce, be that the world-class educational institutions like Duke University, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, um, or, or whether it's just because of the, the overall business climate uh, that we have here. I think it, it's really probably all of those different factors that's led to these life science companies continuing to step up their presence here or locate uh, major new investments here as part of their future growth strategy. This is Fabiola Florenville of Blueprint Creative Group, where you provide strategic communications during times of opportunity, change, and crisis, and you are tuning into the Economic Development Podcast. Today's guest is Mr. Christopher Chung, who is the President and CEO of the Economic Development Partnership of North Carolina. Good morning. How are you? Good, Fabiola. I hope you're doing well, too. I am. So uh, let's jump right into it. So what's been the business climate like these days in your region within the landscape of industry growth or challenges and economic development? So it really depends on what sector of the economy you're looking at. Of course, North Carolina, where we've been considered a, a very popular tourism destination for, for a very long time. If you look at the numbers, we're the sixth most visited state uh, when you measure it by visitor spending and visitor traffic. Uh, that's owing to everything from our 300 miles of coastline to beautiful settings like the Blue Ridge Mountains and the Smoky Mountains, uh, and of course, a, a lot of golf and barbecue uh, in between the coast and the mountains. So. We've been a very popular tourism destination. It's one of the responsibilities we have at our organization to drive greater visitor uh, spending and, and travel to the state. But as you can imagine, especially in the early stages of this pandemic, when people were in lockdown, uh, unable or unwilling to travel, uh, that, of course, is going to have a, a tremendous impact uh, on our tourism economy, as well as all the small businesses who cater to tourists and visitors. That's a very different picture than maybe what you see in terms of some of our other industrial sectors that may have not seen as much of a direct impact. Uh, we're home to a lot of uh, technology employers and companies in the life sciences industry, be that pharmaceuticals, be that clinical research. Uh, I would say certain companies and, and industries like that have seen uh, perhaps greater level of activity uh, as a result of the pandemic, whether that's because technology enables people to work uh, more remotely or whether it's because there's a focus on uh, doing research uh, around vaccines and cures and treatment regimens for uh, this pandemic and for other diseases. You can see that uh, that would be a very different experience, perhaps, than, for example, what our tourism uh, industry is seeing. Uh, we have a lot of aerospace companies here in North Carolina. While we don't have uh, big uh, companies like a Boeing or Airbus, we certainly have a lot of the, the companies that supply critical parts and components uh, to those major aircraft manufacturers. And as you can see, with the slowdown in air travel, that, of course, is having a downstream effect on demand uh, for aircraft equipment. And so that is you are starting to see some of that play out with some of our major aerospace suppliers and what they're needing to do to adjust their headcounts uh, and their facilities. So really, the, like I said, the picture varies across the board depending on which slice of the state economy you're looking at. Um, hopefully that addresses the question. Yeah. So let's talk about some of this targeted industry growth that you are potentially seeing, particularly in your biosciences, um, especially in the area of innovation with you know the search for 
a vaccine and other opportunities that are coming out of that. Where are you seeing a lot of the, the, the growth and opportunities surging in these last 100 days since the pandemic has really been at the forefront here? So if you look at one of the interesting stories out of North Carolina, we have, like like North and South Carolina, where there was such a huge concentration of the textiles industry historically, we still have a lot of that going on here in North Carolina. Of course, textiles looks very different than it did 50 years ago. It's, it's not nearly as labor-intensive. It's a much more capital-intensive uh, industry. But you look at what textile companies were doing, whether they were doing uh, upholstery for the furniture sector or apparel or uh, other materials for textiles, many of those types of companies have been able to make a quick and in many cases successful pivot to producing some of the personal protective equipment and other critical medical supplies that our healthcare workers, our first-line responders need around the country uh, to deal with the pandemic and, and all those ramifications. Uh, in fact, uh, we've got a company here in North Carolina. It's a, it's a great example. They're testifying before Congress this week. It's a company by the name of Kitsbow. Uh, anyone who's in the uh, big into cycling should know Kitsbow as a premier manufacturer of apparel for the cycling industry. Uh, they had moved their operations and headquarters from California to western North Carolina uh, last year. Uh, thinking, of course, that they'd be manufacturing, continue to manufacture uh, this great apparel for the cycling industry. Uh, as soon as the pandemic hit, uh, they were able to make a pivot uh, to produce face shields and now face coverings uh, for, uh, of course, uh, healthcare workers and others who are on the front lines. And so that's a, a really interesting example of how certain companies have been able to look at the events of the past few months and make the strategic shifts that they've needed to as a business while also addressing some very strong public health needs uh, that this country and our state, of course, are having uh, in addressing the pandemic. Um, that's, again, just one story of many uh, for us. Uh, but uh, you look at life science wins. North Carolina started off 2020 very uh, strongly there. We had a couple of big announcements in terms of additions to our life science industry. Uh, one is a, a company by the name of Audentis Therapeutics. Uh, it's uh, owned by a Japanese parent company. Uh, but they're in genetic medicines and treatments. They announced a new operation in uh, North Carolina, uh, as did Eli Lilly, the major pharmaceutical company. They also announced a major new presence in our state. Uh, even in the weeks since the pandemic has taken hold of the U.S., we've continued to see uh, more companies announce the intent to set up sizable operations in North Carolina. So one is uh, Grail. Uh, it's a Bay Area company focused on early cancer detection. Um, another one is Griffles Therapeutics. Uh, they do plasma, uh, blood plasma-based treatments. Uh, they expanded their operation uh, here in North Carolina. So we've continued to see this steady flow of companies who are locating here or expanding here because of the rich uh, ecosystem for life science companies, for biotech companies, be that the workforce, be that the world-class educational institutions like Duke University, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, um, or, or whether it's just because of the, the overall business climate uh, that we have here. I think it, it's really probably all of those different factors that's led to these life science companies continuing to step up their presence here or locate uh, major new investments here as part of their future growth strategy. Yeah. So given some of the strengths that you mentioned of your region, that seems to be perhaps even a pivot from the macro level with your economic development organization on where 
um, some of your targeted industry growth and even investment promotion uh, seems like there's probably going to be some focus around even coming out of this pandemic since you're, you know, now that we're really more so in a, in a digital remote world, it expands the opportunities for those companies to come in from a market that's not as business friendly and to come into a market such as yours where there's a lot of talent already and uh, the landscape already makes it attractive to these types of businesses. Well, we hope so. Again, North Carolina, whether you're uh, talking about a, a, an area like the Research Triangle or you're talking about the area that uh, we call it the triad, but those are markets like Greensboro, Winston-Salem, High Point, uh, working your way down to places like Charlotte. Of course, you've got Asheville in the west, Wilmington in the east. Wherever you go in this very big, diverse state of 10.3 million people, uh, you've got a, a really compelling mix of industries and industry ecosystems that can support a, a wide variety of sectors. Uh, that that was the case before the pandemic, that I believe will continue to be the case uh, going forward. But yes, in this near term, I suspect life sciences, biopharmaceuticals, that's going to be a, a historically strong suit for North Carolina where we can expect to see even greater activity. Uh, being an advanced manufacturing state where 10% of our economy is rooted in manufacturing, a state that's got a history of manufacturing, I suspect we'll also be able to leverage uh, some of the reshoring and return of U.S. manufacturing capacity to the U.S. So rather than many of these companies depending on uh, overseas manufacturing arrangements or partners, I do believe that we are going to see some of that make its way back simply because I think as a country, these past few months have really shown us the downsides of being overly reliant on manufacturing overseas to supply us with some of these critical medical supplies uh, or pharmaceutical products. And I just think from a, a national security and economic security standpoint, that's not the position that any country wants to be in, especially a country like the United States that's just so abundant in resources. So I believe North Carolina will benefit from this return and reshoring of certain manufacturing uh, and, of course, we, we look forward to making our case as to why those companies should select North Carolina uh, if they're going to move back here to the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the silver lining in all of this. So um, lastly, what have you noticed from your peers around the industry, around the uh, economic development and how uh, the industry in general is rethinking their initiatives or even how they pursue growth and investments? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, so I do check in with a, a few of my counterparts from other states. Again, having done state-level economic development work during my 23-year uh, career now in three different states, Ohio, Missouri, uh, and of course here in North Carolina. I, of course, I, I keep in touch with folks in those two states. Uh, some colleagues of mine now head up economic development in states like Arkansas and, and South Carolina and whatnot. And so just comparing notes with some of them over the past several months, I think we're all waiting to see what the trend looks like in terms of do companies begin to change what's important to them when they decide on a new location. Uh, up until March, it was all about talent availability and workforce. Of course, that's still going to be important, right. but I think there's certainly uh, to be expected some changes in what other factors may now be important to companies. Will some of these technology employers or professional service companies uh, headquarters, for example, are they really going to focus much more on being in a core urban downtown market yeah. or will they opt for a more suburban location just to allow uh, essentially being a more spread out place, right? right. Somewhere where uh, people aren't dependent on public transportation. Uh, there's more space to build out offices to allow for social and physical distancing. I mean, these are all right. the changes that 
some people are predicting. We don't yet know if that's going to manifest in the activity that we see because we're only three and a half months into it. Yeah. Ask me a year from now, <laughs> we'll probably have a better review uh, visibility into that. But I think we're all just kind of grappling right now with what's going to change. Uh, we think things will change, but we don't have enough data yet to tell us exactly what it's going to look like. Uh, and only time will tell for some of these, these uh, changes that we're going to observe in our industry. Yeah, so that's an interesting point you make to see uh, if some of those uh, typical criteria that have been used for market selection, site selection, etc., if they're going to matter the same or if there are going to be some adjustments in that. So that's going to be very interesting to really look into and see what the trend tells us. So thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Thanks again for tuning in to the Economic Development Podcast presented by Blueprint Creative Group. There's more episodes featuring economic development leaders throughout the country And we thank all of the participants for sharing their perspectives. Check out all of the episodes in this series at blueprintcreativegroup.com slash economic development.